Welcome back to episode number two of Physique Science Radio presented by BioLane LLC. I'm your host, Lane Norton, with my co-host, Sohi Lee. Sohi, how you doing? Uh, doing pretty good. I'm chomping on some frozen grapes, uh, hanging out, wrapped up work for the night. Okay, well, uh, I'm glad you, you brought up the grape thing because, you know, <laughs> our topic tonight is extremely um, controversial and uh, gets people fired up a lot on both sides. And so we're going to talk about uh, clean eating versus uh, if it fits your macros, IFYM, a.k.a. flexible dieting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those sorts of things. And um, so I think we have a, a really cool perspective on this because I think both you and I have done it both ways. And oh, yeah. we can give our perspective on, on what we like. But but let me ask you this. Would, would grapes be considered clean, though? I was just thinking that. Uh, yeah, not not sure if clean because <laughs> it's a fruit with fiber, but it has sugar. Well, <laughs> wait, hang on. Are they organic? No, they're not. Uh, not clean. So definitely not clean. Yeah, not clean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you guys can probably tell which way we're going to lean a little bit on this. But uh, um, uh, we're also going to have a special guest. Uh, not In the next segment, we're going to have uh, my good friend, Ben Escrow. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with Ben, uh, he's I consider him one of the, the brightest people in the industry that few people know about, although more people are knowing about him now, so I won't be able to say that forever. <laughs> uh, a couple of years ago, I used to say, yeah, he's the smartest guy that nobody knows about, and now <laughs> it's like, it's like, well, I can't really say that anymore because more people are finding out because he's getting good information out there, so um, looking forward to having him on in the next section, but I just wanted to introduce this with, um, you know, I... I started in bodybuilding when I was about 19 or 18 years old and I would read the muscle magazines like anybody else. And one of the things, you know, especially at college, my, my first semester at college, when I was decided I wanted to do a show, um, I would read, you know, I had, I had no information. So I was reading the muscle magazines and I'd say, okay, I, I need to do this diet that's in flex magazine. Right. So how am I going to do that? Well, uh, I started looking at um, what the diets were, and I said, "Well, I can't afford those foods. They don't have them at the cafeteria. You know, I can't, I can't get those foods." And so it's like, "Well, do I not do it at all?" And what I could at the end, though, they listed the macronutrient intake: it's this many protein, this many carbs, this many fats. And I'm like, "Okay, well, I can do that. You know, like at least, at least if I'm not getting the exact foods they want, I can do that. You know." And so I kind of started doing uh, if it fits your macros before it was called if it fits your macros. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, certainly my first show, uh, basically what I subsisted on was uh, oatmeal, uh, broccoli. And uh, if, I, if I wanted to get creative, I would take uh, a chicken breast and I would melt uh, cheese over it, which I guess, I don't know, some people might say that's not clean, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Um, I would take a chicken breast, melt low fat cheese over it and put uh, pasta sauce on top. And I, you know, I was like chicken Parmesan and I would consider that getting, you know, a big treat. You know, that was like extremely like uh, inventive for me. And, um, you know, but I, I kind of went the, the whole way. I didn't, you know, I didn't eat any ice cream, didn't have any pizza, didn't have, you know, any of the kind of the normal foods that a teenager would have. I, I didn't have those. And, uh, and uh, after the show, uh, I went berserk having every food that I never got a chance to have. And, uh, you know, did that for a multitude of shows. And then this la- the last prep I did in 2010, 
I said, um, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm tired of this whole rebound. I'm tired of putting on 10, 15 pounds in a, in a day and it's staying on, you know, everybody's, well, it's just water. It's water. You know, don't worry about it. Well, then I've carried that water from, from age 19 till now, you know? So, uh, I, um, I, yeah, I, that's always funny when people are like, yeah, it's just water. It's like, well, then how come you'd ever get rid of it? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, uh, so I said, well, you know what, for this next prep, uh, I, I'm just, I, I'm going to count my macronutrients and I'm going to hit my fiber intake, but I, I'm not going to deny myself the things that I would normally have, you know? Um, and, uh, so I ate ice cream during the prep. Uh, I made myself, you know, it's hard to get pizza in a, in, in kind of a dieting macros, unless you're kind of a, a what we call macronator, you know, somebody can eat a lot of macros, um, so, but I would make my own like pizza with flatbread and low fat cheese and all this sort of stuff and uh, turkey pepperoni. And so that satisfied like that craving. And uh, after the show, I, I didn't blow up. You know, I put, you know, I put uh, a, a 20 pounds on over the, over the three years post show, you know, but it was very slow, very controlled and very comfortable. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't a 20 pound blow up, you know, immediately post show where you just feel terrible. Uh, and, and, you know, so that was kind of my experience with if it fits your macros. And I'm not going to give my perspective on coaching, but I, I, I wanted to, um, you know, see what your experience was personally with, you know, the kind of the clean eating, uh, versus if it fits your macros. Yeah. Well, I first started, I, I, I learned about fitness, bodybuilding, uh, figure competitors, all that stuff. Back in 2008, that was my first introduction to to the fitness world. Um, so that's when I learned about high protein diets, things like that. So I was uh, quote unquote clean eating because that's what they preach in the magazines, especially at the time. So I was, you know, treating it. It was like a bible to me, fitness bible. So I followed all their meal plans, and I just. Um, but I actually realized I felt. I felt on top of the world. I thought that I was doing really great things. I was making great progress in the gym, in the gym, but I realized um, that almost immediately I, I began binging on a weekly basis, right away, um, on all the things that I, you know, had forbidden. Um, but so, but I didn't realize, I didn't understand that there was a better way. So I continued in that way for a long time. Uh, later that year, I hired a coach, my first online coach ever, and uh, we dieted down. We dieted me, me down to uh, my lowest weight, and interestingly enough, I actually rebounded without having competed ever huh. at that time. Yeah, I. it was like, I mean, I was doing, um, I was on such a restrictive diet. I think I was on 900 calories a day, Ooh. doing five hours of steady state cardio a week, and it was, it was a meal plan too, and I was in college, mind you. Yeah. My first year of college, so it was very, very stressful. So, so when I finished the diet, I put on twenty pounds in about a month. Oh, just from you're over. you're 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 pretty tiny too. And well, I'm five two. Yeah, yeah, I'm five yeah. Two. So it was a very noticeable difference. Um, so I struggled with that for a while. Then when I it came around to my first prep for my first show, this was in uh, 2011. Um, you know, I was with the same coach. He gave me meal plans like he always did. But again, I, you know, I was still in college. I was a junior by that point. I said, well, he won't tell me what my macros are for some reason. So I'm just going to plug them in to, uh, my calorie king and figure out my own macros. And I'm going to 
follow the follow the macros, but not the meal plan. And just because for me, I was like, well, I don't want to eat, you know, egg whites and oatmeal every morning for breakfast. Right. So that was my way. Um, I didn't again. I didn't realize just like you, Lane. I didn't realize what I was doing was flexible dieting. But I would eat things like you know homemade quesadillas, things like that. And you know, I came in for my show. I did really well, and I didn't rebound. That was the first time. I felt fine mentally. I felt fine. I only I was up by maybe five or six pounds. That was it, and I felt great. And then that was when I started learning about oh, there's this actual term for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it, yeah, well, you know, it, um, it's amazing the psychology, right? Uh, I would always tell people, I never craved uh, any kind of junk whatsoever until I said, okay, now I can't have it, right? Oh, exactly. And then it was like, now I really want it, you know what I mean? And I mean, you see people like they can, you know, eat, eat, they like you see a lot of these uh, pros who eat clean in the off season. You know, I know some people who do, you know, literally pack their food. And, but every once in a while, they'll go out and they'll allow themselves something, you know, and, uh, and, and, and they don't binge. But as soon as they go in that prep and it's like, okay, I can't have this at all. Uh, you know, I think it especially makes it worse when you, when you're, and you know, I don't want to get into bashing other coaches methods and that's not what this, this show is going to be about. Um, Lord, Lord knows I've done enough of that. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not saying that giving somebody a meal plan is wrong or that that's unethical or anything like that. But I, you know, I think if they ask you for, you know, what are the macros for this or can I sub different foods? I think telling them, you know, no, you, no, 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 you can't have turkey instead of chicken. You know, I think that's, <laughs> I, I think that's just a power trip. You know, oh, yeah. and um, and it, it really uh, can be a problem, especially when you say, okay, well, you here's your meals. And then once a week you get a you get a free meal you get a, you get a cheap meal what and the reasoning behind that is well it stokes your metabolism and uh, you know you can't you can't put on fat in one cheap meal uh, uh, you know what that meal turns into that meal turns into an eat all I possibly can until I feel sick oh, yeah. uh, meal because that's their one chance to get it all in and I you know I, I know this because I have done it that way and uh, I've had people come to me who have been doing it that way. And they get such an unhealthy relationship with food, um, and, and and this this idea, you know, you guys have probably noticed when we when we say clean eating, we were saying quote unquote clean eating, and that one of the the big problems I have with clean eating, it's not it's not that I have a problem with clean eating. I don't want to say it that way. Um, I don't want to ever act like I'm morally superior for doing something one way versus another. Um, but one of the major problems I have with the the quote unquote clean eating crowd is that. There is no established definition. And, and when I say that, a lot of them will go, well, you know what it is. You, you know. And I'm like, well, no, I don't know. You know, because right, like as far as cheese clean food or right. what is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's fruit <laughs> clean. It's processed. You know, because yeah. it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, the processed ones is very funny because, yeah. you know. Um, but, you know, the, the organic crowd will say, well, anything that's not organic isn't clean. And then the, the paleo crowd will say, well, anything that's in paleo isn't clean. You know, and then if you're vegetarian, anything that isn't isn't vegan isn't clean. So mm -hmm. it's like there's all uh, actually Army Leggy did a for Improvism.com did a great article on clean eating, and um, you know I think one of the big misconceptions of of, of uh, IIFYM or flexible dieting is that these people just eat crap all the time. You know, all they do is eat crap. Uh, if you're 
trying to hit body composition friendly macronutrient intake and get enough fiber and that's a huge thing all right you, you can't um, discount the important role of fiber because fiber is thermogenic okay so if you're eating uh, a lot of people ask me what about all this sugar in your diet well really the the issues with sugar and from what I've seen in the research is not so much the actual sugar content of the diet it's the fact that most foods that are high in sugar are low in fiber because if you eat enough fiber with sugar it completely blunts out the GI the the, the glycemic effect okay and so you, you could have and that's why fruits don't have the same impact on GI as, as a lot of other uh, a lot of other high sugar foods so you know, one of the things I told people is, you know, get enough fiber in and hit your macros. And again, if you're going for a body composition friendly macronutrient intake, and we're definitely not saying macronutrient intake uh, composition doesn't matter. You know, some people say, well, it's just calories in versus calories out. That that's that's basically true. Macronutrient composition that you choose to fill those calories changes how many calories you expend. So your macronutrient composition is important. And so. Are you going to be able to eat Pop-Tarts all day and get enough fiber and get that macronutrient-friendly composition? Uh, no. <laughs> or hit you know? your protein, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Definitely um, not. And I always try to, to, to look at it like a budget, right? Your, your macros are, are like a budget. So, like, for example, if I have, if I have somebody who's very fast metabolism, and I'll, I, can, uh, I had a client named uh, Noah Chang, and this guy got to the point where he was, he was having to eat almost 700 grams of carbs and 200 grams of fat in the off-season just to maintain his weight. His metabolism was so fast. And he's, he was constantly bloated because he was trying to, quote-unquote, eat clean, right? Uh, he was just, he must have been eating over, well over 100 grams of fiber a day. And he was just like, oh, I'm, I'm miserable. Please don't add any more calories. And I said, well, Noah, your macros are so high. Why don't you just eat a little bit of junk, you know, like, like have some, have some pop tarts or have a little bit of pizza or whatever, you know, cause he's basically got a million dollar budget, right? Like he, if you have a million, if you, if you make a million dollars in a year, is it okay to go out and buy a hundred thousand dollar car? Yeah, it's probably okay. You know, <laughs> if you make, if you make uh, $50,000, is it okay to go out and buy a hundred thousand dollar car? Probably not. So if you're, if you're dieting for a show and your carbs are down to hundred grams a day, is it a good idea to spend 75 grams of those carbs on two Pop-Tarts? Probably not, right? Because it's not going to be very filling and it's going to leave you in a very big deficit in terms of fiber compared to your overall carb intake. But if you've hit your fiber requirement, you've hit your micronutrient requirement, um, why is it not okay? You know, why it's, you know, and people will say, wow, there's preservatives and there's all this stuff. Look, look, and I'm sure... I'm not going to try to convince the people who are already convinced that all preservatives are evil and are making your mind controlled by the government uh, because those people uh, just are beyond saving. But uh, I will say that there, there really is no data to suggest. What you got to keep in mind is anything is a poison in the right dose. The devil is in the dosage. And anything is the poison in the right dose. Are preservatives and pesticides and all these things toxic? Absolutely in the right dose. Do you get enough of that in an average daily intake? No, <laughs> not, not, not at all. So I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. Um, and I think, I think so Ian, you can comment on this. I think that yeah. part of the problem is like flexible dieters, they tend to kind of like flaunt, you know, we tend to kind of flaunt 
that we, we, we don't eat clean, right? Because it's almost like a counterculture pushback against quote unquote eating clean because you, you find it almost like, so, and I'm guilty of this, find it kind of sanctimonious, you know? Uh, and so you're like, yeah, well, look at me, I'm getting shredded. And here's this, you know, this pop tart I just ate. And so right. people get the wrong idea. They think that's all the people eat. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah. Well, especially on social media, like Instagram, for example, where all you see is, is people's photos. If you're a flexible dieter, you're not going to post a picture of your chicken and your broccoli and your <laughs> white rice that you eat every day. You're going to post a picture of the fun foods. So I think that gives a really um, that gives off the wrong impression to, to people who maybe are not familiar with flexible dieting. They think that that's all we eat is all we post. Yeah, you know. Yeah, oh yeah. It was funny. Uh, you know, I've been working with Diana Dahlgren for about uh, oh, just a little bit under a year now, and uh, you know she she had. Um, all kinds of food issues when she came to me. And I don't mind talking about this because I think she wouldn't mind because uh, she's talked about this on the air. I mean, she had a full-blown eating disorder. And just telling her, look, you can have these foods if you if you hit your macros and your fiber. It and it, it doesn't happen for everybody, but it pretty much solved her, her eating disorder almost instantaneously. I mean, it was like yeah. a few weeks and she was basically um, problem-free for the most part. And she started dropping, you know, and so she made a post on Instagram one day. She said, I have a confession to make. And she put, it was a picture of her abs, you know, now. And she's like, I have a confession to make. Uh, I don't do hours of cardio. I don't do uh, tilapia and asparagus. I eat cookies. I eat pizza. I drink wine. You know, all this sort of stuff. Right. And, and she's like, but I'm healthier than I've ever been. And it was interesting the reaction that she got. You know, girl, I, I think the girls who got it and a lot of people who got it who had been down that road of an eating disorder, they understood that she was referring to her, her mental health, you know, and physical health too, because she wasn't, she wasn't going through these binge starve cycles. Right. And, uh, and, um, but there were so many people that said, well, how can you're such a terrible role model for (laughs) girls, you know, yeah, they're going to think they can eat cookies and be healthy. And it's like, well, she was kind of saying it for a shock effect but she's not saying that's all she eats. I mean, she still right. eats plenty of foods that are good for you. But, I mean, she told me, she was like, you know, later, she said, it's amazing to, ha-, and I get this from a lot of clients, even the ones who aren't back down to the body fat they want to be at, they say, you know, it's just amazing to be free of food, to not mm-hmm. have food be an anchor anymore. Oh, yeah. So it, so it sounds like you, you've had kind of that experience, right? Uh, I have, and... Um, actually when you were talking about the whole, what is the definition of, of clean eating? This it reminded me of back when I first started working with my, my first, my first online coach. And, you know, like I mentioned, he was giving me meal plans. I remember, um, I said, I emailed him one day. I was like, Hey, you know, just out of curiosity, is there any way I can get salmon on my meal plan? And he said, no, he said, no, it's too high fat. And because of that, I thought I had it ingrained in my mind that, Oh, clean, like, you know, salmon's bad for me. Yeah. It's it's on the bad food list. So after that, I was terrified of eating salmon. Right. Because in my mind, or, or according to his definition, it was not clean. Yeah. And so well, and, and one of the problems that creates is like you said, you know, anytime you create a, a good bad, and there, you know, there's oh, studies yeah. on inclusive diet versus exclusive dieting, which is basically what we're talking about. Clean eating is essentially exclusive dieting, and we're gonna have. Uh, Ben talk about this more because he's a registered dietitian and he can tell us more about kind of the clinical implications of this. And, um, 
anytime you tell somebody good versus bad, you create kind of a dangerous scenario, you know, because it, it like it's like this forbidden fruit. So yeah, if I tell you, and this is what I've seen with with clients who have come from this background, if something's bad, if they eat any of it whatsoever, they go nuts because it's like they have no idea how to moderate it because it's like, mm-hmm. well, I've already blown my diet. I might as well just have as much as I want, right? And so that's what they say, like pizza, ice cream, whatever, they go crazy. Whereas the reality is if they had a slice of pizza, does that ruin their diet? Probably not, you know? But if they have the whole thing, is that going to set them back? Well, yeah, absolutely, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in reality, you know, the thing with the salmon is, you know, yes, it's higher in fat. But what if you keep your fat lower the rest of the day and you, you have that salmon and you're able to still hit your macronutrient intake? Is there really any evidence that that's going to cause you to gain more body fat? Uh, I, I've never seen that evidence, right? And I think having that, that option of choice uh, is very important. So uh, I think we're going to take a quick break and uh, we're going to come back. We're going to, talk to, we're going to bring Ben Escrow into this discussion and, uh, and talk to him and get kind of a clinical uh, aspect of clean eating versus IIFYM. You're listening to Physique Science Radio and we'll be right back. Hey guys, Lane here. Well, you all know how much I love variety in my diet. I can't stand eating the same bland food every single day. That's why I love www.myoatmeal.com. It's an amazing website where you can go and customize oatmeal. I know, I know, I know. Why would I want to go customize oatmeal? I can eat it right out of the bag. Well, let me tell you why. MyOatmeal.com has 22 billion combinations of flavors and ingredients. You heard me right. 22 billion combinations. Whether you're picking out a pre-made blend or making your own customized blend, they have all kinds of flavors. Want red velvet cake? No problem. Snickerdoodle? You can make it happen. Butter rum? Oh yeah. Cheesecake? You can get it done. And you have all kinds of additives you can add. Apples, raisins, pears, nuts, all kinds of seeds. And you can sweeten it any way you want. Need to eat gluten-free? No problem. They've got it. The best part of it all? The macros are listed as your customizing your blend, and they change depending on which ingredients you add. Eating a little bit lower carb? No problem. Choose ingredients that make your carb count lower. Need more protein? Add higher protein ingredients. You can customize your blend to make it almost any breakdown that you want, and the prices and macros change as you change your blend. So go on over to www.myoatmeal.com and check out some of the blends that have already been made. Or be adventurous and make your own. That's myoatmeal.com. Check it out, guys. Hey, guys. One of the things that's always on my mind is how can I give back to the industry that has done so much for me? That's why we formed the BioLane Foundation. The BioLane Foundation is a philanthropic initiative to raise money for grad school level research that is going to contribute to the fitness industry. And 100% of all your donations will be paid out to students. If you'd like to donate, you can go to BioLane.com, click on the About tab, and click on BioLane Foundation, and you can put your donation in through there. Or, if you're a student and you'd like to apply for a grant, go to BioLane.com, click the About tab, BioLane Foundation, and you can find the applications online there. Thank you guys so much, and I'm looking forward to all the great research that comes from these donations. 
We're back with Physique Science Radio. I'm your host, Lane Norton, with my co-host, Sohee Lee, and our special guest tonight, uh, Ben Escrow. Ben is a pro-natural bodybuilder and a competitive powerlifter, national-level powerlifter, but he's also uh, a registered dietitian and has a master's in nutrition and is a great coach in and of himself. He also owns DeNovo Nutrition, which is a supplement company, and uh, I, like I've been saying, I think he's one of the smartest guys in the industry that uh, isn't really well known yet. But we're we're working hard to change that. Uh, ben, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Absolutely. Well, Sohi and I have been talking about uh, clean eating versus IIFYM, but um, you know, I, I'm a PhD, so I'm kind of you know on the research side of things. Sohi. Um, has has you know added kind of psychological implications of of uh, you know macros versus cleaning. Well, let me let me back up here real quick. And this is something. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on a tangent real quick. Um, if you do clean eating, you still do macros. Okay, <laughs> clean eaters, please do not say I don't do macros. That's like speaking and saying I don't do the alphabet. Okay, it's just. <laughs> That, yeah, okay. It's like jumping up and down saying, I don't do gravity, all right? Yes, you, you do that. You just may not be aware of what it is. Okay, now that, that rant's done. <laughs> um, ben, we've been talking about, like I said, the psychology of it, that sort of thing, our experiences with it. But f as a scientist, from a clinical perspective, uh, is there any evidence that, you know, if you meet your protein, carb, fat, fiber goals, uh, your micronutrient goals, those sorts of things. Is there any evidence that, you know, eating specific foods might have some kind of body compositional benefit versus other foods? There is, uh, there is absolutely nothing I'm aware of. Uh, if there was something, I would be very interested in seeing it. So if anybody is listening and actually has a valid peer-reviewed study showing this, uh, please send it to any of us. We'd all be happy to, <laughs> to uh, look it over. Um, and I think, Lane, you've mentioned numerous times why we haven't seen this yet is because at the heart of it, you're always counting macronutrients. Uh, and that's how really the control of a, a lot of these, these um, diet intervention studies are done. Um, I mean, I don't want to go off on a tangent myself. No, but, please do. <laughs> um, I, think, I think this kind of has been popularized because of the popular uh, correlation is causation mentality yes. with a lot of things and yeah. uh, indirectly obviously if you eat more voluminous foods that are going to make you feel fuller that are high fiber and lower in fat which typically the magical quote-unquote clean foods um, consist of you're obviously going to indirectly be restricting more calories um, so the problem with that, though, is obviously, number one, this is not a sustainable system. What happens with a lot of these people yeah. is they, they come off the diet and they start binging. And what do they go for first? The calorie-dense foods that they weren't eating. Um, so this is something that anybody in nutrition, and Lane, again, I, I know I've heard you say this before as well, um, nutrition is a battle of attrition. Um, yeah. So you want something that is sustainable long-term, something that's flexible. Uh, one thing that's really important as well is you want a, a diet that you can adjust based on standardized measures. A food-based diet cannot be adjusted that way. You can't just say, 
take away some chicken, take away some broccoli. Um, that's the problem. Uh, that, that's, that's an excellent point, Ben. Uh, and I'm going to jump in real quick because sure. I've seen people who you know, I've worked with and I'm sure you've had the same experience. Yeah. Um, they, they will say, you know what, my coach, uh, I got to six weeks out and I wasn't progressing, so they just dropped my carbs. They said no more starches. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because that's really, if you're not having some kind of quantitative objective measure of what you're taking in, um, that that's what they do. I mean, that's what it is. It's okay. Well, no more starches or no more this, or they cut out a food group or, you know, you made the point that these are typically voluminous foods, uh, that make you feel full and are high in fiber. Right. And, uh, so people will say, um, like I heard one time say, well, you know, I eat steak until six weeks out. And then I switch that, that's yeah. fish and that man, that fish just, this leans me up so much. And so they think the fish is some fish kind of magical. Works. food. I don't know why well, the fish works. <laughs> well, 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 you know, Ben, that, that fish actually, uh, the reason it thins your skin out is because it swims underneath the subcutaneous layer and gobbles up all the water. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, um, you know, when, when in reality, well, the reason that you got so much leaner on the fish as compared to the steak is your total calorie intake dropped because mm -hmm. now instead of getting 12 grams of fat per serving, you're getting one gram of fat per serving. If you're doing that three times a day, that's 36 grams of fat. That's almost 300 calories. You know, yeah. that's, there's a significant difference there. Yeah. You know, whereas if you said, okay, well, instead of doing that, let's take these, this certain amount of macros off. You know, they could keep the steak. They would have to take in smaller amounts, control portions, and, uh, and, and you know, be more specific. The other thing I really think is interesting, and, and uh, one of my um, – a guy in Australia who came to one of my camps, his name's Christian O'Grady, and he's, he's a funny guy, but he's very abrasive. And somebody, somebody was posting on their page about, about clean eating, and uh, he was posting about, you know, how it was kind of you – know, he thought it was nonsense and that, you know, why not just track your macros? And they said, well, I just think the people who do the IIFYM are, are lazy. And then she uh -huh. said, I, I don't have time to track my macros. He said, wait, so – you're you're so hardcore that you're willing you would basically trade an eating disorder for yeah. actually knowing what you're intaking that's what you're saying <laughs> he said well, so it's easier to eat the so these people are lazy but you're you are not willing to track your intake <laughs> i think that's that's a funny misconception uh well not funny i'm saying that obviously sarcastically um misconception about about people who track macros is that it means that they're eating shit all day like they're just they're just eating junk food all day and and it's this free free for all about you know um not not eating quote unquote healthy foods which we classify as a nutrient dense food and that's obviously not the case you're just being accountable um for what you're doing and, and that's really all this is. It's a system of being accountable. Whereas, exactly, the when you're classifying a food as as clean versus dirty, what does anybody ever learn from that? The problem is with that stuff. You are encouraging someone to have a disordered uh, view of foods because you, they believe then that the foods are are kind of have mythical properties and, um, or is it? Uh, you know what I'm trying to Magical say. Magical properties, yeah. Myth, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That the, but you know what? That 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 is not just a competitive thing. That permeates throughout society. Uh, yeah. In 2007, I believe the American Dietetic Association uh, polled America, and they asked, "What do you believe is more important, the the uh, portion control 
or the type of food, the amount of food you eat or the type of food you eat. And 70% of people said the type of food you ate was more important. Yeah. Now, well, so he, you, you, you mentioned that there were some interesting studies on the psychology behind this. Did, did you want to, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tell us about some of those. Cause I want to get Ben's take on them. Uh, well, you mentioned this briefly earlier, Lane, and I know that a lot of us have experienced it with our own uh, personal lives, but uh, there have been studies that show that as soon as you put a food off limits, our craving for it actually increases that much more. Even if, even if, let's say, like, you know, for example, chocolate. Yeah, I like chocolate, but I don't love it. Um, I'm not going to go crazy for it. But as soon as you say, Sophie, you can't have chocolate ever, 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 ever again. All of a sudden, I wake up the next day and I'm like, wow, I really want chocolate. Yeah, Just exactly. Just because it's forbidden. And, and, it's, and you know, it's, I know we all have experienced that, but it's been scientifically proven to be, you know, a real, a real phenomenon. Well, think about when you were a kid. And your parents told you, you cannot do this, whatever this thing is. You can, under no circumstances, ever do this. What was the one thing you really wanted to do? <laughs> that, right? Yep. You know, because it's like, it's like, well, this must be awesome if I can't do it. You know what I mean? Um, but like I said, you know, the, the problem becomes when it's all about the types of foods, um, you lose portion control, right? Uh, the reason that, you know, people people will tell me, well, do you really think somebody can get fat on chicken and broccoli? I said, well, yeah, it'd be hard, you yeah, know, because exactly. yeah. you know, you're, you're eating, it's such a, you know, it's such a fiber dense food. You would have yep. to, you know, eat a ton of it, you know, to, to, you would probably stop before you ever, I will be honest, you know, you'd probably stop before you ever got there just from GI distress. You right. know, I talk sure. about fiber being great, but you can, folks, you can overdo the fiber intake, okay? If you go over, you know, 70, 80 grams of fiber a day, you're not going to feel real great, you mm -hmm. know? Um, but, yeah, it's interesting that uh, if people, it even skews their perception of, like, of these foods in ways we never even thought of. I had one gal come to me and she said, um, you know, I, I can't eat gluten because I know I'm gluten intolerant. I said, oh, you know, did you, did you get a food allergy test done? She's like, no, I, I just know I'm intolerant. Mm -hmm. Well... It ends up the the only time she would eat gluten was when she was binging, right? Because gluten <laughs> was a gluten was a forbidden Formation. food. Yeah. Right. So so you couldn't have anything with gluten. So I said, well, okay, well try this. Um, eat two slices of bread and let me know if you get this bloating problem. And she comes back to me and she says, oh my god, I'm not allergic to gluten. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, when you're not eating two thousand calories along with it, it's amazing how much less bloated you feel, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I think people. Again, you, you miss that when you're not precisely tracking macronutrient intake. I mean, like you said, Ben, it's just a system of accountability. And the the Haines data, uh, I think from like a decade ago, that they, they and I, I may butcher this study, but you're probably familiar with it too because I think it's a really uh, classic study of nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. And they looked at um, who are people who were successful in losing at least 20% of their body weight, I think it was. 20% of their body weight and then keeping it off for at least five years. So successful, sustained weight loss. And the number one thing, the number one thing was uh, self-monitoring. They practiced some form of self-monitoring, right? And like we were talking about, uh, sustainability is very important. Uh, can you sustain results? And no, I don't care who you are. You can't eat tilapia and asparagus every day for the rest of your life. I, I saw somewhere, you know, a while back where, um, 
some coach was kind of backtracking on, on everything and trying to defend their methods, you know, uh, essentially their starvation methods, and said, well, there's these metabolic issues. People wouldn't, you know, it's not really a problem because if they would just stay on their diets all year round, uh, they, they wouldn't gain this body fat. And it's like, okay, sure. So just tilapia and asparagus every meal for the rest of your life. Yeah, raise your hand if you can do that. I think there's there's two concerning I think the two most concerning points to me about the entire even issue with with clean foods is that um, number one is that I think and this is this isn't just fitness this is general population as well is, is people think they have to suffer um, when they're on a diet or it's not working it's almost like this strange masochistic viewpoint um, and really the second one that we we've kind of alluded to uh, that for me is the most concerning because we're never going to move forward if, if we we never accept this is that you never actually address the underlying mechanisms behind what's changing your body composition if, if you base it on foods um, and I, I think that's a major issue because again it, it, it becomes so obsessive about about the broccoli the chicken the fish and the one thing that you will I, I think all of us have seen with working with anybody and, and having individuals count macros um, is they do learn a lot more in the process. It's not this, you know, this oh, brain yeah. like, tell me what to eat during this. They actually say, wow, okay, you do learn to understand your own thresholds. Um, and a lot of really important things, I think, for people lifelong. I mean, this is a lifelong sustainable system. That's why I, I, I have a hard time seeing anything. Um, really, well, it's not magical, it's not like it's a fad, but um, really replacing this because, again, it's accountable and it allows you to live a normal life if you simply weigh stuff and track stuff. Uh, that, that's, absolutely, that's absolutely right. Um, you know, and now it's gotten so easy with, with, with so many uh, apps out there for tracking yeah. uh, that it really, you know, people say, oh, I just, you know, it's just so much time out of my day. Really? You can't punch in like two buttons on your right. phone. Oh, you know? It's really it takes just a few minutes. Yeah. And, and the other thing is too, is once you've, you know, gotten used to it, uh, I'll be honest. Uh, I can go on vacation and I can guesstimate and I bet I'm within 10%. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I go on vacation and I don't gain 10 pounds. I don't gain five pounds. I might gain a pound. You know what I mean? Um, it, it, and a lot of times it's because I wanted to gain a pound if I was still training, you know? Yeah. So, uh, like you, like you said, Ben, it's all about sustainability. I, I talk to people cause people will say, well, look at this person who got results from clean eating. What we're not saying that you can't get results <laughs> right, from it. Right. That's not what we're saying at all. Certainly plenty of people have gotten results by doing that. But the problem becomes after the diet's over, after it's over and the, and the gloves are off, and, you know, you start shoveling down all that food that you didn't have access to before uh, and you put on more body fat. All right. And, you know, for the most part, um, that's, you know, this is going to get into kind of the metabolic adaptation stuff. But uh, it's it becomes a problem when it's over and over over a multitude of cycles. I mean, I, I'm sure you guys know uh, various people who. Uh, they started out before they ever kind of started dieting um, and they were pretty lean and now they're much fatter than when they started. Oprah Winfrey. 
Yeah, yeah. actually, yeah. Sully, yeah, kind of take us, wa- walk us through that, because you know we're, yeah. we're we're writing a book right now on reverse dieting. Yeah, and uh, you had a very interesting take on uh, Oprah's, uh, you know, kind of yo-yo dieting. Right. And uh, we, uh, just uh, full disclaimer, we're not trying to pick on Oprah. <laughs> we're just using her because you know her weight has kind of been out in the public eye. Yeah, well, this is, you know, I always use her as a prime example of, of, remember that, I remember one, the one, um, the, whatever, was it the vlog, I think, or an article you wrote about why, yeah, why weight loss diets make you fat. Yes. <laughs> and I say, you know, just look at her, and, you know, it happens to so many of us, but um, I'm actually looking at the page right now, this is from the book, Willpower, um, by Baumeister and, and Tierney, um, two psychologists, but the chapter is called The Perfect Storm of Dieting, and it, talks all about why diets don't work. And so it just outlines uh, Oprah Winfrey's uh, weight fluctuations. So first she starts out at 125 pounds. Uh, working as a newscaster, this is early on in her, her career, she goes to 140 pounds. She goes, oh my gosh, you know, I put on 15 pounds, have to get it off. She goes on a 1,200-calorie diet back down to 125. That was, you know, one month. Right. One month, 15 pounds. Um, Couple months later, she was 212, 212 pounds. She went on an all liquid diet for four months, got back down to 145. Notice that's still 20 20 pounds over her initial weight. Um, Then a few years after that, she finds herself at 237 pounds. Um, At that point, and you know, she she just resorts to more and more drastic measures because she finds that her body has just stopped responding to, to the calorie the deficit. Um, yeah. So she hires a full-time personal trainer, a full-time chef who like lives at her home and they do all these things. And um, finally, she's 160 pounds. Again, 35 pounds above her original weight. Um, this is in 2005. It's a big deal. She's on the cover of a magazine. And then a few years after that, she's back up at to 200 pounds. Yep. So. And, and you know, I, and you know, she had. <laughs> Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disguise my dislike for Dr. Oz. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna sugarcoat that. I, I do not like the man. I don't care how good of a surgeon he is. Um, just because I have DR in front of my name, I'm not gonna go try to perform heart surgery. <laughs> so I would appreciate if he stopped talking about nutrition yeah. because he uh-huh. doesn't know what he's talking about. Okay, there's that rant. But you know, he'll he'll talk about the latest fad diets and he'll praise them and all that sort of thing. Um, and there's a lot of people out there like this. And I think part of it is that it's hard to sell something like flexible dieting. Oh, it's, it's very hard. It's hard to sell if it fits your macros because what are you actually saying? You're saying, you know what? There are no magic foods. It's just a lot of work. You're going to have to be accountable. You have to do this. And somebody's going to say, well, that sounds like I have to learn this whole system and it's a lot of work. And, you know, if there's no magic foods, why do I need you for, you know? I'm yeah. hiring, I want to hire a guru, you know, who's going to, who's going to teach me the ways of the mystical, you know, <laughs> process. And, um, you know, I think that really is part of the problem that, um, you know, uh, that people think they're, they're kind of, is this magic food? And I, ben, you were talking about uh, how it doesn't teach you anything. And you're absolutely right. In fact, you know, earlier in my career, when people would come to me and say, you know what, um, I know you're a big, you know, IFYM guy, but I don't want to do that. I want to, you know, eat clean. I want to do a meal plan. I don't want to think about it. And I would, use, I, I would, I would write up meal plans. Now, I actually stopped doing that one because in, in the state I'm in, Florida, that that's illegal unless you're a registered okay. dietitian. So I don't do that. Um, 
Now, I'm sure there's plenty of coaches who still do that in the state of Florida. Oh, yeah. Um, either, which, my guess is they're probably ignorant of the law because they don't really take it seriously. But that's another brand for another time. Hmm. But even if I had a red, you know, had an RD, my, or was an RD myself, uh, I would not make up meal plans for people. In fact, if somebody requests it, I tell them, um, no, you need to go to somebody else. Um, because I'm not interested in working with somebody who um, wants to be spoon-fed because I want them to learn. Because I said, I tell them, if I do my job correctly, eventually you won't need me anymore. Mm-hmm. And yep. I think that scares the crap out of a lot of weight loss coaches, that idea that they won't be needed anymore. Right. And that's why my guess is why some coaches won't give, you know, macros. Now, um, yeah. <laughs> I will tell you a funny line. Uh, a gal I worked with, she, she went to her old coach who, this is a, you know, um, uh, uh, somebody who coaches a lot of people. And, uh, she said, you know, I, I have you, I'd like to find out what my macros are, you know? And he goes, what's that? No. <laughs> uh, but you know, the, the sad wow. thing is, I think if you talk to a lot of these experts on TV, um, they would say the same things, right? Oh, it's not yeah. me just trying to pick on this, this one person. Um, and like I said, you know, again, you know, I don't have any magic to sell people. And I think that that, that can turn some people off. Um, but, uh, you know, we're talking about sustainability. I think that's really important. So I think we're going to take a quick break. Uh, ben, if you wouldn't mind hanging on the line with us, uh, sure. we're going to come back. And I think we'd talk about a little bit about practically how you implement something like flexible dieting. Um, you know, how you guys do it with yourselves and your clients and uh, we'll wrap it up there. You guys listen to Physique Science Radio, and we'll be right back. Hey guys, you know me, and you know I love cooking up macro-friendly option meals. But sometimes when I'm always on the go, that's just not an option. So when I'm on the go or can't cook a meal, I love Quest Bars. You know I love protein and fiber, and these are packed with 20 grams of high-quality protein and super high in fiber. And it's easy to stay on target when you've got Quest Bars that you can bring with you anywhere. They're delicious compared to other bars that taste like bricks and leave you feeling gassy and bloated. So pick up a bar of Quest Bars today at questnutrition.com, GNC, and Vitamin Shop. Also, follow them on Instagram, at questnutrition, and youtube.com slash questnutrition for great recipe ideas to keep you on your goals but eating delicious. You're listening to Physique Science Radio with Lane Norton and Sohi Lee. If you like what you hear and you'd like to learn more about us, read some of our articles, please visit my website at www.biolane.com and Sohi's website at sohifit.com. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you listening and hope to hear more from you in the future. Welcome back to Physique Science Radio. I'm your host, Lane Norton, here with my co-host, Sohi Lee. And Ben Escrow. Ben, over the break, you were uh, saying something about how even, you know, from a clinical perspective, there are no <laughs> essentially clean eating diets prescribed by any medical professional uh, or anybody, uh, you know, nothing in the literature that everything is basically kind of either an exchange or macro based. Uh, there are no food elimination diets. Expand on that for us. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, even when you look at any kind of any kind of clinical scenario in in a hospital, the only type of food elimination diet you're going to get is uh, for a medical condition that actually warrants it. Uh, for example, 
like you will typically, it's not even a food elimination. It's usually like a fat limitation for something like pancreatitis or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, but even for diabetics, I mean, one of the most popular systems that we have for nutrition intervention is the exchange system. That is essentially indirectly counting macros. You're breaking foods into different food groups and counting them as exchanges. Uh, that's something that I have, I will write for some of uh, my clients if they're not comfortable um, counting macros and but then it, indirectly we, or we, we directly transition them into counting macros because really what you're doing again it, is you, you are counting macros. I mean basically one exchange of grains is 15 grams of carbs, three right. protein, mm -hmm. no fat. That's macros. Um, so this is, this is a medical nutrition uh, intervention and you're essentially using macros to do it. And, and I'll tell people, and Sohi, you can comment on this too. Um, if you look through the literature, because people are like, well, you always say it's science-based. Well, what, what studies have compared clean eating to IFYM? And the answer is zero. Because there is no definition of clean eating. <laughs> right. That uh, if you wanted to run a study, uh, you would get absolutely shredded by reviewers who are like, okay, what exactly is your definition of clean? <laughs> that would be the biggest sticking point. I don't even know if you could get something pushed through to propose it just because it would be so uh, ambiguous. There's actually another point I wanted to make that I, I forgot to mention before. Go ahead. Um, again, when you consider this from a, a health perspective, uh, especially for micronutrition, uh, when you're talking about eating the same exact foods every day, that is dramatically limiting your variety of, I mean, yes, these, these quote-unquote clean things are pretty high in in uh, like dark leafy greens and stuff like that, but um, when you're considering that you are on usually on those a dramatic caloric restriction um, and you're eating the same foods all the time, it does increase your risk of deficiency. Uh, again, the beauty of something like uh, fitting your macros is you can eat a much more varied diet. Uh, the one thing I, I'm going to jump in real quick because sure, I think ahead. that's fantastic because one thing I always get when I talk about IFYM is people go, well, what about your micronutrients? There's right. no way uh -huh. you can get enough micronutrients if you're on IFYM. Right. And the fact of the matter is um, uh, there, there was a student at Ohio State University, and they were talking to me about a study they did, like a pilot study. So this isn't published, but uh, their pilot study, and they were looking at – exclusive dieting versus inclusive dieting and yep. basically what they used was if it fits your macros they just gave people macronutrient intake and told them to hit that or mm -hmm. or they had them do paleo right so they had them on a food restricted diet you know only paleo foods and uh what they found was with their micronutrient now this wasn't the primary outcome of the study but what they found they looked at their micronutrient intake because they were interested and what they found was that paleo people were very high in some micronutrients and very low in others and yeah. almost deficient level in others whereas people who were following iafym were not super high in any one micronutrient but they were sufficient in all of them mm -hmm. wow yeah and, and i mean i think I think it's 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 common sense like that is pretty logical like you think you vary your intake obviously you're going to be exposed to much more of, of the micronutrition um, yeah I, I it's funny because I, I feel like when we talk about it there you know it, it's almost it's hard to even think about how, how that still exists but <laughs> well you know, have never, never never let um the facts get in the way of a good story, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's what's out there a lot, you know? And, um, like I said, there's just so much misconception 
and, and part of it, Sohi and I talked about it, you know, it's counterculture. You know, we were talking about how if you're a flexible dieter, you're not posting pictures of your, your, your chicken and broccoli. You're, you're posting pictures of, of, uh, you know, pop tarts and all that kind of stuff. Cause yeah. you know, it's kind of like a pushback and saying, and you, and you said something that was very interesting, Ben, people feel like they have to suffer. Yeah. Um, and the, the fact of the matter is, look, I, if you're looking to get very lean for contest, you are going to suffer at some point, regardless of what kind of diet yep. you're on. But um, I tell people what I'm what I'm not okay with is suffering for the sake of suffering, so you can brag about having suffered the most. Right, Who right. Gives a damn. Yeah. As long as you get the results, right? And so that's what you know. What Sohi and I were talking about is you know results based um, and, and sustainability. Because again, if you're only used to eating certain foods. Um, you know, so he is. There, is there any psychology to kind of that rebound to that? Um, you know, you know, once the gloves are off, that uh, you mean the, the binging? Just, yeah, it just makes you go crazy. Oh yeah, it's called uh, counter-regulatory eating. Um, in more colloquial terms, it's known as the "what the hell" effect. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so essentially, what happens is that you have so many rigid, strict rules for yourself for your diet, and you know, it works. As long as you're following the rules, mm -hmm. but you know it works until it doesn't work until yep. you deviate from it just even a little bit, and then so it's like they they have this analogy that it's like you're uh, within the boundaries of a of a bright line a bright line effect, and as soon as you step outside that bright line, all of a sudden you have no rules, nothing to guide you, so you say, oh well, what the hell? I ruined this day anyway. Um, there's no salvaging the rest of this day or the rest of this weekend or the rest of this month, mm. I might as well just eat all the forbidden foods and do all the forbidden things before tomorrow comes and I can start clean. Yeah. That's, yeah. and that's a very pervasive attitude in, in the fitness industry and in oh, yeah. dieting. Uh, ben, have you kind of found that attitude to, to, to ring true with people you've worked with? Oh, of course. I mean, you're, you're doing a lot of rewiring, um, whenever you do any kind of uh, nutrition intervention. I, I mean, it, the tides are definitely changing, but there is still definitely a lot of that. That uh, I guess I, I'd call it old school thought. <laughs> um, that is, it, it does take. It's a process. I mean, I, I think you probably know this better than anybody, Lane, um, because I, I think you, you are mostly responsible for for that change in the tide, um, and especially working with a lot of higher level uh, athletes who are in the un the untested realm, uh, I think that still exists a little stronger and, and they oh, yeah. a little stronger. So, you know what's interesting is I think that's almost like a fashion statement. Like yeah. I think it's not cool to post a picture of you eating, you know, like a, a, a prepackaged dinner or something like, you know, something that's right. full of preservatives and, you know, "Quote unquote chemical shitstorm." Right. Uh, by right. the way, folks, everything is a chemical, so stop saying that. <laughs> you just sound freaking stupid. Okay. Um, and then they'll say, "Well, you know what I mean." No, I, I really don't. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think it's very important what you said, Ben. Is, is is once you've, if you've always been taught to color inside the lines. Yeah. When, when you go outside mm -hmm. the lines, you have the what the hell effect. That's, that's like, so yeah. Like, about. what do I do? Yeah. I mean, you know I, nothing I, to guide I, them at all. I had a, a client just email me this last week. And she said, um, you know, she's like, I, I want to thank you so much because uh, the best thing I've had happen since I've been working with you is I just went to New York for a week on a vacation with my husband. I ate out. I enjoyed myself. And, when I, came, and when I came home, I was the same weight as when I left. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. She's like, before I would go and I would shame myself while I was there because I would be binging when I was out. Or even she's like, and she said, even if I didn't binge, I would still come home and be five pounds heavier. And if I binged, it'd be 10 to 15, you know? Wow. Because, uh, and, and part of the other thing too is I want to, you know, hopefully <laughs> there's just so much to talk about. I, I could talk right. about forever, but um, I think a lot of times these diets create food intolerances. Have you guys seen that? Oh. I have heard of it. Yes. Ben, have you seen that where like people, they, 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 either they eat something so much they become intolerant to it or they eat, they never eat something and they become intolerant to it because they never eat it? I mean, that's difficult for me to say um, for 100% certainty because I, I haven't, you know, actually been able to do any kind of objective testing. But of course, I mean, you see a lot like multiple intolerances in people who, who were following these plans. Uh, uh, is is that a high likelihood? Of course, when you don't expose yourself to something, you yeah. keep making the enzymes to, to digest it. You know what I mean? It's just well, like lactose intolerance. Yeah, lactose we, is a very okay. very good example. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I cut you off. I'm sorry. Lactose is. I was just going to say oh. is a, it's an excellent example because the enzyme is inducible, and yeah. if you if you drink if you take in less lactose, you will have less lactase, and uh, so <laughs> if you then go and take in a bunch of lactose, you will not feel very good. You know. Um, and so if you're never eating these foods and, and I worked with, uh, somebody who was a big IFBB, uh, bi uh, not bikini, but figure pro and, um, they worked with me for a while and then they went and worked with another coach for a while. And then when they came back, they, they had intolerances to food they never had before. Uh -huh. Um, it, you know, they just couldn't eat the same things they ate before because it would just make them so bloated. And, uh, you know, it's just very interesting to see that. And so, uh, you know, it's almost like, um, I don't want to use, I hate using analogies when they aren't proper, but it's almost like a vaccine. You know, if you're always eating different kinds of food, you're exposing yourselves to a lot of different things yeah, and yeah. Your, your body's able to tolerate them. Whereas if you're never eating that, you know, yes, the foods are calorically dense and you'll put on body fat because you haven't been, you know, taking them in and you're, you're likely binging, but you're also dealing with the fact that you're going to be extremely uh, uncomfortable after you eat them. GI wise, because you're going to oh, yeah. be gaseous and bloated and those sorts of things from indigestion. Yeah, so, absolutely. I think that's a, that's that's a that's an appropriate and very easily understood analogy. Yeah. Okay. So for the last eight or so minutes, I want to talk about how you guys uh, implement, you know, kind of flexible dieting for yourself and for your clients. So, so he, how, how do you how do you use this with clients and, and with yourself in, in kind of a broad you know, hundred mile overhead view. Uh -huh. Well, so whenever I have uh, prospective clients email me, I, you know, every once in a while they'll, they'll say, what is your approach to food? And um, very, very briefly, you know, to put us, you know, I say, I don't do meal plans. Um, if that's what you're asking for, um, I provide, I'll tell I'll give you a food list of, you know, here's what, here's where most of your foods should come from. And there on that list is, you know, all the whole foods, quote right. unquote, clean foods. And then I'll say, but this is just a suggested list. Um, and I'm going to give you some guidelines, not rules to follow that'll help guide you. Um, the most important being do not put any food off limits unless you have an allergy or intolerance. Do not do it because it's not going to work out. Um, and I always say, you know what, if it feels easy, that's a good thing. Don't worry. I always have people coming to me. They're worried. Like this feels easy. What am I doing <laughs> wrong? Which is really funny to me. I'm saying, no, this is good. Embrace it. You know, you want it to feel easy. You want it to feel effortless. And I say, cause it's um, sustainable. 
Exactly. And the best litmus test, litmus test that I that I use with my clients is, you know, whatever you're doing, whatever, however you're eating right now on a day-to-day -day basis, ask yourself, can you see yourself doing this exact same thing one year from now, still doing it? If the answer is no, what can you change? Maybe you need more gummy bears in your diet. Mm. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? That's or, it. But or, if the answer is yes, then that's great. Keep doing what you're doing. That, that's that, really it. I think that really gets to the heart of the issue, right? If you can't see yourself doing that in six months or 12 yep. months, you've got to rethink your process, right? Because you're just going to wind up right back where you started. Yeah. Because you'll, you'll lose the 20 pounds or whatever it is. And then when you go back to eating the same things you ate before, you'll put it right back on. But my father, um, you know, my father is a, is a little bit overweight. And uh, years ago, he did a ketogenic diet. And he stuck to it for like three months. And he dropped like 20 pounds. And, you know, it was awesome. And we were so proud of him. And, you know, he, he's like, okay, I got the 20 pounds off. I'm happy. And he went back to not being on keto oh. anymore. And, you uh. know, very surely he put all the weight on and actually a little bit more. So, oh, yeah. you know, there's, a, there's, there's your practical application right there. And I always tell people, you know, we, we want to, in a perfect world, say, you know, because people will tell me, and then Ben, I'll let you, I'll let you talk, but I, sure. this just yeah. popped in my mind. People tell me, well, you can't tell me that a Pop-Tart is better for you than a sweet potato. <laughs> and, and, and if you want to talk about it in a vacuum, no, but that's not what we're saying. Right. What we're saying is that if in the context of the entire diet, if you've met all your requirements for your other macronutrients and your fiber and your micronutrients, that Pop-Tart is not going to kill you. And the difference is if, if it keeps you from binging or it keeps mm -hmm. you from going crazy, then yes, it is better for you. And uh, I actually did a talk in the UK a while back. And I, one of my talks was uh, inclusive dieting versus exclusive dieting. And uh, at the end, I said, you know, I said, is, is this better for you than this? And it was a Pop-Tart versus, uh, versus sweet potato. And uh, I said, um, you know what? Um, I forget the exact verbiage, but at the end I said, well, it's probably better than an eating disorder. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, oh, you yeah. know that fires people up but I mean you know kind of by definition orthorexia nervosa <laughs> by definition if you are obsessed with eating clean you have an eating disorder you know oh yeah um, I think people get way too caught up in, in acute effects and uh, it's like you were talking about living in a vacuum or anything like that yeah or even even people who will have one meal that slightly goes over an allotment and then they'll make the whole day go off. Yeah. Um, it's like th they don't understand the, the checks and balance system of, of physiology as well right. when you're talking about chronic long-term change. Um, again, that's, that's the issue. Well, look, with... at, look at intermittent fasting. And Lord knows, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a huge fan of intermittent fasting. And not that I hate it, but I, more I just say I'm not a fan of it just because I've been kicked around so much by intermittent fasting people that I just like poking at them every once in a while now. <laughs> so he knows what I mean. Oh, yeah. But, uh, um, you know, look at it. Plenty of people have gotten lean on intermittent fasting, and you're yeah. eating a huge amount of food in a short period of time. Well, people will say, well, you're, 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 you know, if it, that's a clean eating diet where they're used to eating eight meals mm -hmm. a day, well, 
well, you're putting on so much fat in that eight hours. Well, yeah, but you're also not eating the other, you know, exactly. 16 hours. And so, it's funny because if you looked at that acute in like postprandial state, they, you'd say they're getting fat. <laughs> exactly, because they are, because they're storing, yep. they're storing more body fat, but then they're burning it in the 16 hours. Now, am I saying you need to go do intermittent fasting? No, I'm not saying that. But what I have said is, uh, you know, the best diet for you, for the average person, and I'm not, uh, you know, for somebody who's just losing lose weight, if you're going competition, Obviously, you have to get a little bit more neurotic about it, but uh, the best diet is the one that y you can maintain that, that disrupts your lifestyle the least, yeah. you know, and because uh -huh. uh, I always say you cannot, no matter how hardcore you think you are, you cannot separate physiology from psychology. Absolutely. Okay, you just can't yeah. do it. So, uh, Ben, ha uh, uh, before I keep talking more, because I, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I tend to dominate conversations, which is a, it's a terrible habit, and uh this show will probably do nothing but to break that for me. <laughs> ben, how do you how do you use kind of uh, flexible dieting with your clients? Uh, well, kind of building on that last point of of kind of merging the psychological and and the physiological aspect of it. Uh, when someone comes to me, one of the questions in my questionnaire is uh, what they t they prefer more. Uh, typically, fat dense foods like uh, peanut butter or uh, carbohydrate-dense foods, because there is, uh, typically people will have a, a favor to, to, to one or the other. Uh, if someone's in the middle ground, I'll use that to dictate how I'm going to allot uh, fat and carbohydrate. But basically, um, I'll use that to determine uh, percentages of fat and carbohydrate. Obviously, we know protein, uh, keep it around the you know maximum uh, level of benefit for athletes, uh, gram per pound. Um, but it, it, a lot of it is really all individual dependent when I'm talking about like undulating carbohydrate days, uh, that can vary. Some people I have two higher days, some people I have three higher days. Uh, I mean, it really is very, very flexible, but I do, I do offer, um, also meal plan and exchange plans, but it's interesting that, uh, with those because I have to note that whenever I do send those, I send essentially the most, like it's a 20 page uh, plan because I'm not giving them one food to eat. So uh, really in essence, if, if they way go, more patient than I am, <laughs> well, I, I, what I'm trying to do with someone like that, even when they come to me, I tell them the best plan for them, not just, not only financially, but long term is to just go to the macro plan. But what I'm trying to do is teach them that they can live a varied life and still hit their numbers because when I give them an exchange or a meal plan, I give them their macros for each meal and then their total macros for the day so they see what they're actually getting. Um, again, in in hopes of transitioning them, them to eventually to to a uh, to a macro plan. Um, but yeah, I. I, I do a lot of talking out of those things when people come to me and they say, ooh, that, I, I need that plan because it's more expensive and it's probably better for me. <laughs> no. no, it's more expensive because it's more of your time. <laughs> exactly. That is literally the only – and actually the funny part is um, the issue with a lot of these things like meal plans and especially exchange is they're not as accurate as macros because yep. obviously when you try to break foods down into exchanges, nothing is purely fat, nothing is purely protein, nothing's purely exactly. carbohydrate. Well, Except for like mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, so exchange plans can be off by like 10 to 15% and people will count their macros and compare it to their exchanges. They're like, my numbers are off. Well, <laughs> they you count macros. For the, yeah. Macros. yeah. Well, uh, you know, 
I'm going to end up, uh, you guys basically touched on everything I want to touch. I'm not going to, people kind of know my, if you want more information on my stuff, you know, go to my, my uh, 12th video log. I think it is. It's IFYM versus uh, clean eating. But I want to kind of use an example of um, two things that kind of sum up my feelings on on clean eating versus IFYM. Um, People will say, well, take the most terrible stuff for you. High fructose corn syrup. People say, you can't tell me eating all that high fructose corn syrup isn't bad for you. It's been shown over and over that, you know, obesity is caused by high fructose corn syrup. And I'm pretty sure I see people's heads explode when I tell them that that's absolutely false. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, high fructose corn syrup is uh, very high density. It's very easy to overeat on. Absolutely. Okay. Um, but people are not getting fat because high fructose corn syrup has some kind of magical fat storage properties. They're getting fat because it's easy to overeat on it because Mm -hmm. it doesn't have a lot of fiber because it's not very filling. Okay. But if you have some high fructose corn syrup every day in the context of a otherwise healthy diet and you get enough fiber, there is zero data to suggest that it's going to make you overweight. And there's actually studies showing because, you know, high fructose corn syrup was getting a ton of, uh, of hate back in the day and people even went so far as to cut out fructose to cut out fruit oh yeah you know because they were so scared of of, of fructose Um, because they said well there was these studies showing that it it, it, um uh you know the fructose caused more body fat deposition than glucose uh those studies were actually some of those studies were actually done down the hall from me at illinois and i promise you that researcher would tell you that that research is grossly misinterpreted (laughs) um most of that research showing that fructose had some funky effects on fat deposition, was done with a diet that was 70% fructose. Yeah. You cannot get a diet that is 70% fructose. Unless you you're can't. buying fructose powder. Unless you're buying fructose powder and <laughs> dumping it in your food. Okay. Yeah. Because even something like an apple or banana is still like 50-50 fructose glucose. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. So, so, so stop that. So there's just not any data to support that. And actually... Um, the data suggests that fructose in moderation actually helps with fat loss. Um, uh, e- even from a kind of a, a enzyme and gene regulation perspective. Now, am I saying go out and eat a bunch of fruit because it's magic? No, that's not what I'm saying. But, uh, you know, the truth is in the middle on this kind of stuff. And then the other thing that I always kind of use to, um, to, to break the, the clean eating thing is I, I say, uh, when I was uh, when I was in college, I, I loved and I still love uh, my popcorn. Ben knows this. I love yeah. Air Pop popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, put, I have an Air Popper and I put popcorn in there, and I and I have that. And it's you know, it's extremely voluminous and very filling, uh, and it takes me a while to eat too. So that's one of the things I love about it. Well, when I posted my diet when I was like 22 years old on an article on bodybuilding.com, people said, "Well, you know, how can you be on contest prep and eating?" popcorn <laughs> and i said well well compared to what you know like like what would you suggest well oatmeal i'm like well <laughs> okay well all i know is i can eat 50 grams of carbs from oatmeal in like five minutes and it takes me right. like 20 20 30 minutes to eat 50 grams mm-hmm. of carbs from popcorn so it's way more filling and the popcorn actually has more fiber Oh, yeah. And it has more protein. <laughs> so how exactly is it not as clean? And usually the reply, uh, uh, <laughs> well, you know, like that's when you break down all the science and all the logic, they basically end up with, well, you know, 
Like that's right. that's kind of the response you get. Right. Like when mm-hmm. you're breaking down, like, well, what is a clean food? What is that? Well, you you know what it is. And well, it's like, in my experience. Yeah. Well, and or, I think I, I think for me. Yeah, I know it works for me. <laughs> well, you know that that's you know that kind of appeal to authority, logical fallacy 101. Like it, you know <laughs> when people start off a debate with, well this person used this then you know what it, we we just can't even have a conversation right. because you're you're you don't even understand the basics of a debate so you just right. need to go right. um but uh you know i, I want to end uh on, on this note and you guys can give me your perspective one yeah. of the things that dismays me on on both sides um you know, of kind of this argument is uh, people have this kind of sanctimonious uh view of the way they eat that somehow because they either eat clean or they do flexible dieting, that that makes them better than somebody else. Yeah. Let, let me let me be very clear. Uh, your <laughs> the way you choose to consume your food uh, has absolutely nothing to do with how good of a person you are. So stop it. Stop acting like uh, stop being so sanctimonious over your food. Okay. Attaching ethical properties to your food is probably one of the dumbest things I can possibly imagine. Um, you know, it's like the people that that post, you know, pictures of, you know, them, you know, well, I didn't go out with my family and here's my Tupperware full of broccoli <laughs> yeah. and tilapia. I'm on vacation. <laughs> well, no, you're yeah. not. You're better. You're actually kind of an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, you, have you, what do you guys think? Have you kind of seen that perspective as well, I'm sure? I, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I'm well aware of the fact that, you know, people do it all the time. Cleaners, clean eaters do it to flexible dieters. Um, I'm sure, you know, we at some point or another have been guilty of doing the same to yeah, the clean right. eaters. Um, but at the same time, even though I'm, I'm well aware of it, I'll be, for example, I'll be scrolling through my Facebook or my Instagram and I'll come across a photo of, you know, someone's looking all happy with, uh, you know, a clean, clean meal, chicken and broccoli. And they're like, clean eating is so great. And all of a sudden I actually feel bad. <laughs> I'm like, I know exactly what you're doing, but I feel like a bad person. <laughs> yes. Yes. Don't, 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 don't forget to miss, don't miss the, 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 the fish gelatin in the bottom of your, uh, <laughs> your, your, uh, plastic bag that you're eating it out of, you know, make oh. sure you, make sure, <laughs> make sure you get all that right, Ben. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's well. That's what you have to smear on your skin to thin it. Oh, that's, that's and I believe that is where we're going to end the conversation <laughs> right there. Subcutaneous, subdermal uh, fish gelatin, tilapia fish you have gelatin. To break open your fish oil caps. Yes, exactly. I believe this show has now officially jumped the shark. <laughs> and uh, we we thank uh, we thank Ben for joining us on here. I'm sure we're going to have him many more times. Uh, he's, he's great. Make sure you check out his website, www.denovonutrition.com. Uh, I'm your host, Lane Norton. For my co-host, Sohi Lee, this is Physique Science Radio. We hope you've enjoyed listening. We'll see you guys next time.